series on cultivating courage. We are continuing our series, and this is the, uh, the fifth in the series, but the fourth uh, way in which we can cultivate courage in our lives. We had an introductory sort of sermon, and then we talked about cultivating courage through resting in God, through having a Sabbath way of life. Through, through putting all of our cares and burdens on God, knowing that He is faithful to take them and He can give us rest. Resting in God so that we renew our strength and can fly up on wings as eagles. We, we, we reminded ourselves about how we need to identify faith markers. We need to remember those Ebenezers in our lives, those things that God has done throughout our lives and the lives of our parents and the lives of our grandparents and great-grandparents and so on and so forth right back to the dawn of time when God was working and even before that. And then we reminded ourselves to remember that we are not alone, right? We, we reminded ourselves that, that we are together, right? In fact, we had in the children's message the reality that, that God has declared us to be part of His body, which means that we are no more removable from God than, than our arm is from us. In fact, even less removable than that. That the Apostle Paul says that there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And today we're going to talk about how the victory, the victory in all of those things that we, we might have fear about, the victory in everything that matters in life, all victories that are truly good belong ultimately to the Lord. And why does that cultivate courage in us? Well, first let's look at the Scriptures. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31 says. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31. And this is maybe a passage that you've never read, but it is, it is a good one. It's a beauty, right? It says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. In other words, you can get yourself and your equipment and all your skills and abilities and all of your resources ready as you want. And you should. That is important to do. The Lord gave us talents and abilities and brains and all these things to use them. But who gets the victory? God does. God does. Who has gifts and abilities here? I should see every single hand going up. Everybody has gifts and abilities. Would you be willing to share one of your gifts and abilities? Like, not act it out or whatever, but just tell us humbly, like, what's something that God has gifted you to be able to do? Yeah, Randy. Randy. Yes, Randy does have the gift of drawing and the gift to be able to share that with others. Randy not only, of course, does works, does work 
in uh, sort of the animation film industry and so on, but he also teaches uh, students how to do uh, animation and drawing and so on, right? Which is awesome. It's so good. But did you create that gift for yourself? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Excellent. You got the obvious answer. That's good. (laughs) Right? You... Right. God gave you that gift. There were many failings, many struggles, many ups and downs along the way, Randy says, but he knows that the gift comes from God. And, and, and even, even, even the ability to foster and grow that gift, that itself is a gift from God. Right? If, if Randy were a rock, he wouldn't be able to grow his ability to do anything because he'd be a rock right? But he's not. He's a human being. And so God has gifted him the ability to grow that. Anybody else want to share their gift for a moment? Don't worry. It's not being prideful. I'm asking. David. Yeah. Right. Fine. Fair enough. David has the ability to work with computers and and technology. And, And don't belittle that. He said, I just have well, that's, that's a good and wonderful thing. There are plenty of people here, um, <clears throat> my mother-in-law, uh, who don't have that gift and ability. <laughs> I love you, Mom. So now you better yes. yes, yes, yes. Um, right, and, and so that is a wonderful gift, the gift to be able to work with technology. It's a very needed gift. Um, and my mother-in-law also has many, many gifts. She's a very organized and clean, wonderful lady. She is uh, very caring about people's needs, very sensitive to those needs and wanting to meet them. Uh, she is great in a lot, a lot, a lot of ways. She's also great at Scrabble, although she, she claims that others are better than her, but she's really actually quite good. So, yes, Jeanette. Music. Yeah. 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 Jeanette and and Kent both um, and their Jeanette's family have been given the the ability to um, to play music, to do music, uh, and to share that with others. And quite a number of you have also been given that gift. And, and again, it is something that hopefully you foster and use. Uh, but even the ability to foster and use that gift is in itself a gift, right? People are given gifts, but you notice, and I'm sure we could go on, there are lots and lots and lots and lots of gifts. You are all, as we've talked about before, you are all in yourselves gifts to each other and to this world. Just your, your, your being, just who you are is a gift to everybody around you. Now, I don't want you walking around thinking you're God's gift to the world like that, right? But, but you are. But it's not a prideful thing, at least not a prideful thing for you, because you did nothing about it, right? You, you didn't make yourself into a gift 
for the world. God created you to be that. In fact, often, sadly, we work to make ourselves less of a gift to the world. Right? There are some times, I am sure, when Gwyneth thinks that I'm not so much a gift to her at the moment. Right? Right? And, and that's part of the brokenness and messed up of the best upness of the world. But the giftedness that you have is a gift from God. And the ability to grow that giftedness is a gift from God. And not only that, but there are things that you will face in this life. Lots and lots of things that you will face. The most important things. I, I say this not as Pastor Dan's opinion, but as biblical truth and reality. The most important things in this life are relational things. I don't, that's not my opinion. That's the Bible's opinion. The stuff between people and the stuff between God and the stuff between us and His creation. Those are the most important things in this universe. The Bible tells us very clearly that God is love as we just heard from Sheila's uh, sharing about what heritage is is doing and all that God is doing amongst them. And then God also shares with us that we were created in God's image. In other words, we were created to love, to love God and to love each other and to care for this world, to steward this world. And, And Jesus affirms that when He says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the Bible goes further on. Right? The Bible goes further. In 2 Corinthians, we read these words. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled Himself to us, or reconciled us to Himself, excuse me, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Right? Paul says effectively that the relationship is so important that that's what Jesus came to do. To fix our relationship with God and to enable us to be part of fixing relationships with everybody and everything, right? Because it goes on, it goes on. It says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, says Paul, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time for reconciliation. And those things, those things reconciling between people, reconciling between myself and God, reconciling what we do to this world, those can be some of the scariest things we face. We were just talking, uh, uh, I was just listening to a podcast the other day uh, where, where someone was talking about the fight our denomination had over women serving in office that went from, of course, like the, the late, mid-late 80s through to the mid-late 90s and in some ways still continues on. And one of the things that the podcaster pointed out was, was that when the decision was made by Synod to allow for a, a local option, that, that each church can decide and discern what they were going to do in terms of allowing women to serve in office or not, that, that one of the side effects was that we stopped talking about. We stopped talking about it. No reconciling was really done. No reconciling was really done. In fact, in fact, at Synod this past year, it was the 25th anniversary of women being allowed to serve in ministry in our denomination at all. And they had a celebration at Synod about that. And yet, at the same time, there were delegates there who have been registering protest for 25 years about the seating of women at Synod. And there were people who were sitting in the audience who were not standing up to clap and give an ovation, who did not applaud at all, who looked grim. Not because they're, they're, they hate women, but because they believe that what the church did and is doing is wrong, biblically speaking. And we never figured it out. It's just something that simmers under the surface. And it's true in this church too, isn't it? Right? We have, we have people amongst us who feel that women should not be serving in any of these offices, and we have people among us who believe that they should be serving in this office. We have people who haven't darkened the door of this church since Pastor Roke left. And as far as I know, there may have been, hopefully there was and is, some reconciliation between individual people and, and individual families, but we didn't deal with it as a church. Because that's scary. I don't know if that's the ultimate reason, but it's scary to me. 
that opens a whole can of worms that I'm not sure I'm ready to deal with. Where was our ministry of reconciliation? And I bring it up partly because our denomination is facing a similar thing now. Here, we may feel fairly unified about Synod's decisions last year regarding human sexuality. But the the similarities here, whatever they may be, and who knows, they may be different than we imagine. We may not be as similar as we imagine. But the differences in our denomination are not small. There are churches and members and pastors and elders who are leaving office, who are leaving the denomination. And this podcaster we are talking to was saying that they feel like a split in the CRC is inevitable. Where is our ministry of reconciliation? It's hard. We don't want to talk about it. It's easier to leave it. And so we need courage. We need courage to talk about these things, to talk about anything that that is difficult in relationships between people because we weren't meant to be casual acquaintances with everybody we meet. That's not what God says. God doesn't say God doesn't say through the apostle of John, God is acquaintances. God is the friendly stranger. No, no, no. God is love. We were created to love. What was the only thing that was not good about creation? The only thing that was not good about creation is that the man, Adam, was by himself. He was alone. And and God is not saying that everybody ought to be married. That somehow if you're not married, you're incomplete. No, no, no. That wasn't the point. The point was is that people were built, made to be in relationship. And not just any relationship. Not just the, the cashier at the grocery store and yourself going, Hey, how's the weather? Oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> right? No. We were meant to be in loving relationship. Which means that we're supposed to grab each other's hands, walk down into the valley, into the hard places, and walk up out of them again together. And that requires courage. But here's the thing. In myself, I can't do this very well. I am so afraid that I am going to rupture relationships with you, with my family, with my friends, with what what will they think? What will they do if they find out that I believe differently than they do? Or what will they do? What will they think if they know about this 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 
resentment I've been harboring all these years and just sort of covering over it. Or, 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 or you know, we, we put that behind ourselves. We didn't deal with it, but it's, it's under the carpet and I don't want to bring it up again because that'll just mess everything up. I can't do it myself. But the thing is, I don't do it myself. I never do it myself. I can embrace not doing it myself. Right? I can pretend, sure, I can pretend to myself that I can do it myself, but that's a load of malarkey. I can't even exist by myself. The Bible tells us very clearly that God not only created us, but that Jesus, through Jesus, whom everything through whom everything was created, God sustains us each moment of every day. So if I can't even keep myself existing, how on earth can I possibly hope to reconcile myself to anyone or anything, anytime, ever? So if I try and fool myself into thinking I can do it by myself, that's just malarkey. I can't. The victory is God. And this is the beauty of it. It's not, it's, not ultimately, it's not ultimately me who converts you to follow Jesus. It's not me who saves your soul. It's not me who reconciles you to God. It's not me who reconciles us to each other. It's not me who reconciles us to the the planet and the creatures thereon. It's not me who does those things. It's not me who can claim the victory. It's not you either. And that, that makes a twofold burden released from us. Because on the one hand, we know that it is sure. Ultimately, the victory is absolutely certain. We know this because the Scriptures tell us so. Listen to what we read in the Corinthians Again, this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 56. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus. It's God's victory. God does it. It is sure. It is secure. It is done. I didn't do it. But nonetheless, He gives it to me. And the second burden that that lifts off of, first is that we are assured that it is done because it is God who did it and it is secure. And the second, the second burden it lifts off of us is that it's not all on us. I'm not ultimately responsible for whether you become saved. Whether you become reconciled to God. 
all I'm responsible for is being faithful to what God calls me to do. It is the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is between you and God. It is ultimately not my responsibility to fix all the relationships that I have that are broken. Doesn't mean I can't, it doesn't mean I can stay away from them. It doesn't mean that I can just ignore them. It doesn't mean that I don't do anything about them. But ultimately, the solution will come from God. If Aaron disowns me and, and says, you're not my father, I hate you and spit in your face and wish I was never born. We talked about this just yesterday. No. Um, if Aaron were to do that, it would be my responsibility to, through the prompting of God and, and with the best I can through the Holy Spirit's guiding, try to reach out and reconcile, to forgive him for the hurt that he has done to me and to ask for his forgiveness for the things I have done for him, uh, do, done to him. But I can't make him be reconciled. I can tell him the good news of the reconciliation that God offers. I can, I can tell him about how sorry I am. I can try to make it right, but I can't force him. And I don't need to. Because that too is God's. My responsibility is far lighter than sometimes I think it is. So this is the courage. This is where the courage comes from, brothers and sisters, for this week. The courage of remembering that the victory does not rest on our shoulders. The victory is God's and God's alone. That the reconciling power of Christ goes through us. by His grace and mercy. Incidentally, although not, if there are relationships in your life that are not reconciled, please, oh please, listen carefully to the call of God to be an ambassador of reconciliation. Try. Not that it's your job to fix things, but reach out. Tell them your story. Humble yourself to hear their story. Share with them how God has forgiven you. And ask them how you can make things right. You don't have to be afraid. Because the victory is God's. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you so much that you created us to be in relationship, oh God. Sometimes it seems so so hard for us. Sometimes it seems so very overwhelming. 
Sometimes it seems impossible to have good, healthy, loving relationships. But we praise You, O God. We praise You, O God, that even though we are afraid, we can lay those fears at Your feet because we know that victory is secure. Victory is sure. Victory is Yours, O God. We know that our burden, our responsibility is lighter than sometimes we imagine. So Lord, we thank You. And we ask You to help us to be ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation through Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.